Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we will be looking at Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, as we wrap up this prayer, this powerful prayer that Paul makes uh, on behalf of the Ephesians, where he says, uh, and he's continuing this thought that they would be strengthened with power through his spirit in their inner being, that's verse 16, uh, and in verse 17 he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So we're finishing up that prayer, and we're really looking at the contents of the prayer uh, now as we looked at the power behind it uh, a couple episodes ago. And as we said that we ought to, we, should, we can and should pray powerful prayers, uh, we recognize, first of all, that we should always recognize the power behind our prayers, powerful gospel, uh, verse 14, a powerful posture, also verse 14, and verses 14 and 15, a powerful God behind the prayers. And then in verses 16 and 19, that we should pray powerfully for others. This gets us into the content. Last episode, we looked at the reasoning for power uh, according to the riches of his glory. Then we looked at the appeal for power. And now we start getting into the content that he may grant that they would be strengthened, the object of the request, then the agency of the power, uh, is through the spirit, the location of the powers and in their inner being. And now we wrap this thought up here today with the logical reasoning for the power. So really, this prayer here very specifically is targeted in the empowerment to be ministers for the gospel. And that's what he's talking about. He's saying that there is power. And we're looking at the reason behind that. Uh, the logical reasoning for this power, verses 17 through 19. So why do we want power? Uh, why should God give that to us? Uh, he does it for his own glory. He does it out of his riches. We talked about that. He does it through the spirit. The power is sourced to our inner being. So we talked about that, but, but why? Why do we need power? Well, in verse 17, he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay. Uh, and what we're talking about here, again, is not initial salvation. And we know that salvation is by faith, faith alone. Uh, it's apart from works, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. We know Isaiah talks about all of our righteousness in Isaiah chapter 64 being as filthy garments. And so we don't have anything that we can contribute to our salvation, but he's not talking about initial salvation. And we know that because he's writing this letter to believers. So we are already in a state of believing. So what does he mean here that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith? Well, this is the ongoing aspect. And one of the things that we have to recognize as believers is that uh, what we're saved by, we're saved to, right? Uh, we're saved by faith and we're saved to a life of faith, if we could put it that way. And how we are saved 
uh, is how we need to keep walking. Again, uh, he says that in other places in scripture, but the point is, is that when we are saved by faith, it's not, that's the only, it's not as if that's the only time that we ever need to express faith. Uh, the life of a believer, the life of a Christian is that of faith. And so he says to the believers, I want Christ to dwell in your hearts through faith. In other words, I want you to continue walking in Christ, meditating on Christ. I want him to take up residence in you. And we know that this all works together theologically, that he comes in and sets up residence in us at the moment of salvation, Christ in you, the hope of glory. But the way that that happens is through this through this dispersal of power through the Holy Spirit to our inner being, and and when we have God's power working in us to the effect that we are obedient to the gospel, that is an expression of Christ dwelling in our hearts, and that is all done through faith. So, it's it's a kind of a cyclical, uh, it's a cyclical process, if you will. It takes faith. We pray for power for others. That power, when God grants it, increases our faith, and it helps us to live in such a way that our faith continues to grow and we can help others in it. It's really quite incredible here uh, what Paul is talking about. So as we get into this, uh, that's what we mean by that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's not initial salvation, but then we see that this prayer for power results in spiritual maturity. So when we pray for power for other believers, we see that the, the eventual result of that is maturity. Second part of verse 17, that you being rooted and grounded in love, okay, uh, that's what we're talking about, being rooted, being grounded in love. We're talking about maturities, not something that happens overnight, by the way. I can think of a somewhat recent example uh, last year. Uh, several of our children wanted to enter projects for 4-H at the local county fair. And one of the things that they entered, uh, I think a few of them, not all of our children, but a few of them wanted to do some, some gardening projects where they got these pots and they, they went out and bought a bunch of succulents, you know, small little plants to make little fairy gardens. And that was all well and good. Uh, but we didn't know, and, and no one knew until later, it was a, quite a learning process, how the judges were going to uh, judge each of those entries. Because when we went looked later when the fair was open, there were a lot of impressive entries and all these succulents and things and, you know, the fairy gardens. It was, it was really nice. And it turns out that we got some feedback later and the judge said he was tempted to just disqualify everybody. And it turns out <laughs> that... What he was looking for was, could they actually care for and tend to these plants? Because everybody can just go out and buy little succulents and plop them in some dirt and water them and, and they can last for a few days. But what he was looking for was whether or not they had taken root and that takes time. And so he had, you know, gone down deeper into the pot to check for rooting of the plants and had found none, not just in our kids, but all of the entries. Everyone had gone out and done what we had done the week before the entries were due, purchased the plants, purchased the pots and the potting soil and everything and just plopped them in there. Well, it's a perfect example that you can't just do that overnight. And so what, what we see here is being rooted and grounded in love is a result of this power that we need to be praying for others. Hopefully others are praying that for us. And then 
we're looking at this continual growth of Christ inhabiting, taking up residence, right, to dwell. This is a process. It's not just a one-time visitation. And the, the result of that is spiritual maturity rooted and grounded in love. And of course, this love is biblical love. This is a, a growing in an understanding of the love that God has for us, the love that he commands us to love others with. And so we see this spiritual maturity. That's the second part of verse 17. But then we also see that this prayer for power results in spiritual wisdom. So we want to see, uh, we want to see uh, maturity, and now we want to see wisdom, verse 18 that we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, height, and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Of course, the governing verb there is to comprehend, okay? We, have, we want to have strength to comprehend, but that is the active verb here, that, that infinite there, infinitive, to comprehend with all the saints the breadth, length, height, and depth, all aspects. Okay. We don't have to get into what all of that means, but literally every single aspect, the longer we meditate on the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And we think about it from different aspects First, you know, how he's operated in time, his restraining grace, um, his permissive grace, um, how he's governed in the heart of men, how he hardened the heart of Pharaoh and how he softened uh, the hearts of others, how he used unlikely people, how he stepped in and intervened at just the right time. The lessons we learn from Saul and David, uh, you know, when they're in David's in the, in the cave and the lessons that David learned with uh, Uriah and Sheba and, uh, you know, all, all of that. There's just so much there and we can see the love that God has for us and the love that Christ has for us in so many different ways. Um, the love that he has for us displayed in the disciples as he's teaching them and they're learning and they're growing and they're processing the ultimate expression of love that he was willing, even though he didn't deserve of all people in the entire world, he didn't deserve death. We all do. Every single one of us. I'm at the front of that line. You're in that line with me. All of us stand ready and condemned to die. We deserve the death penalty because we are sinners. There was only one person in all of human history and will only be one person who didn't fit that bill, and that was Christ. He didn't deserve to die. You know, it's been said, <laughs> I've, I've heard it from other people, you know, this question, why do good things happen to, or why do bad things happen to good people, <laughs> right? I got kind of misspoke there. Why do bad things happen to good people? And I, the most incredible response I ever heard to that was by a, a very astute modern theologian. He's with the Lord now, but he said that only happened once and it was Jesus Christ. That was the only time in all of history that something bad happened to a good person. And what's he saying there? Uh, none of us are good. So when bad things happen to us, um, you can't ask that question. It's really invalid. Um, so it, very interesting to think about, but we are, we're praying for this power so that we can have spiritual wisdom. We need to have strength to comprehend, to lay hold of, to seize, to grasp, uh, to, to realize the implications of, uh, this love. And we need to be able to do that as a body, a unified body with all the saints he's saying. And that just shows that this is a journey that the entire church is on. 
And what's really interesting is how God has said that Christ said that he would build his church. The gates of hell would not prevail against it. All of those things are very, very fascinating to think on, right? But what's really incredible here is that this continues on and has, and people have come and gone uh, in all these 2,000 years since the church, roughly, since the church was uh, created at Pentecost. Yeah, people have been born and grown up in the church and been converted to saving faith and then grown old and died in the church and theologians have risen and they have also died. And everybody is on this process of trying to comprehend with all the saints, this love of Christ and books have been written and we've never fully gotten to the, the end of it. Just think about that. The most astute Christian minds in, in theological church history have never been able to fully plumb the depth and, and, and the power of Christ's love. And we ought to meditate along with them. We ought to benefit from their writings. We ought to study and meditate on the scripture more. We ought to think on Christ more, but we're joining the rest of the church. If you're not thinking about the love of Christ and you're not trying to comprehend with the rest of the, the church, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, then, then you're not contributing to the task that he has given to the church uh, at large, the, the church universal that we would say. So we need to have the strength to comprehend. And then we see that powerful wisdom seeks comprehensive knowledge of the love of Christ. When we are granted this power of God, what do we use this power for? Remember, the power is granted to us through the Holy Spirit to our inner being. And it's not something that like all of a sudden, you know, we feel a jolt of energy and we know, oh, my power's been topped off or something like that. We're not talking about that. But if God is answering this, this prayer, where are we supposed to focus that power that he has granted to us? Well, the power should be in seeking this comprehension of the knowledge of Christ. And so we want to understand, first of all, the comprehensive nature of Christ's love, the breadth, length, height, and depth which he talks about, that's every aspect. We kind of touched on that a little bit earlier, but we also want to understand that this is a lifelong journey. Notice this, uh, what he says in verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, that what? That surpasses knowledge. Wow. That right there will just stop a person in their tracks because no matter how long we spend meditating on it, let's just say we are able to fully set aside anything that distracts us in this world. And we're, and, and we have nothing else, but, but the tasks that God has put before us, right? Paul said in first Corinthians seven, I wish all men were as I am. Right. He says, but if you have a wife, don't seek to be loosed from them. If you have a husband, don't, you know, he says, if you're married, you know, understandably, you're going to be distracted by the things of the world and the things of marriage and family and so forth. And that's not a bad thing, but it means that you can't devote your entire life to serving God. Well, what if you are like the apostle Paul and you can, what if you're like the prophetess Anna in Luke chapter 22, verse 36, who was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then a widow until she was 84, who did not depart from the temple worshiping and fasting and prayer uh, with fasting and prayer night and day. Uh, wow. Here is someone who lost a husband after seven years of marriage and then went on. The scripture seems to indicate for 
decades in her knowledge, uh, in her service to the Lord. That in itself is is unbelievable. And and the point here is that this surpasses knowledge. Even somebody as godly as Paul, even somebody as godly as Anna, in the temple, who's devoted their entire life to serving God and meditating on the love of Christ, cannot comprehend it. Why? Because the scripture says here in verse 19 that this love surpasses knowledge. It's not something that you or I can ever attain to. doesn't mean we give up on it. This is our life's journey that's before us. God has given us something that is fulfilling, something that is greatly rewarding, something that enriches our faith, and something that we can't ever be done with. You can't ever check that off your list and say, oh, I finally finished. Okay, I'm done. On to the next thing. You can't do it. (laughs) You just can't. And there's a third aspect then that we understand that pursuing all of this will bring us further in our journey in Christ, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So the result of this, even though it is a lifelong process and you'll never finish it because it is beyond our comprehension, will result in your growth as a believer, as a Christian, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is God's plan for you. So let me encourage you, when you are praying for others in the privacy of your own prayer closet, if I can put it that way, and even as the church assembles, if you have a midweek prayer service, hopefully you do, pray for others in such a way that you are praying that God would strengthen them, right? To be strengthened with power through his spirit in their inner being. So I want to pray that for others so that they would have the strength to comprehend that that strength could be used so that, that other believers could comprehend the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that they would grow. So I want to pray for their strength. I want to pray regardless of their health situation and their work situation and the traveling and all of those other things. I want to pray that they would be strengthened because this is God's will for us. This is his prescriptive will. I mean, here we have a pattern that's, that's set before us. And we see that this is what ought to be done because Paul models it, and we can definitely see why and to what end it it works, and it's a glorious end for every believer. I want people to pray this way for me, and I need to be praying this way for others. So this is a great, great prayer that Paul makes, and we'll definitely uh, come back and touch on other prayers as well, but this is a powerful prayer indeed. And I hope that this has been a blessing to you to consider. It sure has been for me. That's where we'll wrap it up for this episode. And we'll come back in our next episode and examine this incredible uh, benediction here that we see in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. This has been another podcast of Expositional Excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.